This is Sebi's Podcast. Welcome, guys. Welcome back here to Sebi's Podcast. You guys already know the slogan. Whether you're listening on air or viewing online, Sebi's Podcast is wherever you go. Thank you for all the viewers that are tuning in, whether you're tuning in on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, or WNSC Radio, wherever you're tuning in. You guys all know, like the slogan says, Sebi's Podcast is wherever you go. You can tune in in all social media platforms. We're back here today with a segment. We're talking week one recap of the NFL. We're going to touch on all the main points, the actions, the surprises, um, the teams that try to make an effort to go to the Super Bowl, or the teams that regressed. And it's all coming up here in Sebi's Podcast. My opening segment today, guys, is proud and brought to you guys by Discount Tire Shop. Discount Tire Shop, the bros have already spoken. If you guys have any mechanical, electric, or any oil change, brakes, transmission, or fuel pumps, anything that you may need, the bros have already said to call them and to hit them up online. That would be DiscountTireShop.com. And again, that's DiscountTireShop.com. This opening segment is brought to you guys by Sebi's Podcast. And folks, week one, you know, there's always a narrative in sports. Week one is always the, the, the try or the feel out game or the feel out game for the season. Obviously in the NFL, you know, you've got four weeks with the preseason and not a lot of players play. Now this regular season in week one is where like the real players studs or like the starters play the entire game and you can see the fatigue you can see the lack of action the lack of attrition and age for some people or some you know players or quarterbacks but this wasn't the case instead of unfamiliar you know unfamiliar ground this was actually pretty good week you know, obviously, you've, you've got your regulars. You know, the Browns. The Browns, we all know Miles Garrett is a stud. He can get after the quarterback. Denzel Ward, who some people have um, conflict, why they picked him at the fourth, fourth overall pick instead of taking, taking Bradley Chubb at the fourth overall pick. Um, a real deal shutdown quarter who, tro- who showed his true potential of what he could be against Antonio Brown last season uh, in this last pass game here, should I say. And um, he had two picks. Obviously, Antonio Brown is Antonio Brown. He's going to get his numbers. But Denzel Ward, he did a very good job. He had a couple tackles, had two interceptions off of Big Ben. But if you are the Browns staff and you are the Browns quarterback and, and, and the Browns coach, Hugh Jackson, this is directly to you. This is directly approach to you. And yes, I'm, 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 I'm at you. I'm attacking you right here, Hugh Jackson. You see that the game is going well for you guys. You guys have made a valiant effort, a valiant comeback. Big Ben has been rattled. Pressure's getting onto him. If you see Tyrod Taylor running the offense and it's not going well, why do you not pull the plug and throw in the, the spark into the fire? Why don't you take that rookie and you throw him right into the field, right into the fire, and see what he could do? Worst case scenario, you've only won one game in the last two seasons. Hugh Jackson, folks, is 1-31 in the last two seasons as a head coach for the Cleveland Browns so if you have a chance to win and you see that Tyrod Taylor is not 
the answer. Why don't you just take that rookie and you throw him right into the fire? Yet, they didn't do that. Granted, to the Browns, they didn't win. Neither did they lose. But my reaction to this is, to me, in the eye test, and I've seen Baker Mayfield. I watched a lot of Oklahoma games in college. I watched a lot of games that he did in this preseason. That kid's just got the it factor. It may not be pretty. He's short. We understand that. He's, um, you know, low center gravity. He's not your typical tall quarterback, um, but the kid is very accurate. He's got a strong arm. He's got all the intangibles that you need. Um, He's got the it factor. He needs to make a play. If he can't make it with his arm, he's got a cannon of an arm. If he can't make it with his arm, he's going to make it with his legs. Yeah, Hugh Jackson just stick with Tyrod Taylor. And Tyrod Taylor, no knock to him. He's a very competent quarterback. He led the Bills last season to the playoffs. This is a guy in Tyrod Taylor who has a resume and is really good. He's a really stable starting QB in the NFL. But really, folks, is Tyrod Taylor the future? Is he the franchise of, of the Cleveland Browns? And no, we all know that is Baker Mayfield, the top and overall pick in this past draft here. And yet, Hugh Jackson sees that the Browns ultimately have a chance to win. And he doesn't throw him in a fire. And this is the first time, and I want you guys to really think about this. The Cleveland Browns won the turnover battle. The turnover battle, 5-0, to zero, and they ended up not winning the game. They didn't lose, but they did not end up winning the game. It's the first time since the merger in 1970, excuse me, that that has happened. And, you know, there's a guy in the great Bill Parcells when he used to play. He said, without turnovers, you're not winning the game. Well, the Browns had the turnovers. They just couldn't do anything with it when they had the ball in their possession. Inability to convert third downs. Miss field goals. Game-winning field goals. I mean... And turnovers. I mean, it was just a debacle watching that game. And then on the other side, Pittsburgh did not look good as well. I understand that Connor is not Le'Veon Bell, but Connor still ran for 130. Are you telling me Le'Veon Bell can't run, can't do the same, if not better than James Connor? Big Ben, uh, I don't know where Big Ben is. I really don't. Psychologically and physically, I do not know where Big Ben is. On the field, he looks. He looks like an aging quarterback. Um, maybe he's losing velocity on his throws. On times that, you know, off the field when he's in the press and the media answering questions, he's uh, pondering about retirement. So uh, psychologically, I don't know where Big Ben is. I, I really don't. So, and credit the Browns. They did a very good job in their home opener, limiting the that explosive offense with Juju, Smith Schuster with Antonio Brown to just 21 points. You know that that's a, if you told the Browns that you could limit limit them to 21 points, I think I think they'll sign up for that. I think Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley and the other staffs in that Cleveland Brown coaching staff would sign up for that. Yet they didn't capitalize on all their Pittsburgh's mistakes, and that ultimately didn't win them the game. It didn't lose them the game. So for the first time in seven years, we had our first tie this uh, season Um, something that rarely happens and when it does occur it's uh, (laughs) pretty ironic which it did so that that was one of my um, uh, takes in this past week here in the NFL as well as the Vikings man 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 
boy, oh boy. I'll tell you guys. The Minnesota Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings. I'll tell you. If I was a coach and I was in that NFC North division, or for the fact of the matter, that entire NFC conference, I look at the whole roster, the roster as a whole of that Minnesota Viking. (laughs) I tell you guys, them purple monsters scare me. The purple monsters of the Minnesota Vikings who call themselves Skull, they, they scare me. I know they strike fear on opponents. When you look at the Minnesota Vikings, and let's let's take away what happened in week one. Jimmy Garoppolo getting thrown in the fire in his first uh, start this season uh, with the 49ers. You're going at a hostile environment in Minneapolis against that vaunted defense of the Minnesota Vikings. I thought he didn't have a chance to start with. But, but, but let's just throw that out of the equation here. The Minnesota Vikings, when you look at position, position, man for man on the offense and the defense, tell me, tell me or name me a better NFL roster currently in the league right now that has a better roster than the Minnesota Vikings. Think about this. This is a team in the Minnesota Vikings that takes the character, the persona of their coach and Mike Zimmer, who came from uh, Marvin Lewis in the Bengals, who was a defensive coordinator there. Tough, gritty, blue-collar, hard, grind, tough-minded uh, defense. And he's brought that, and you could see it in the Minnesota Vikings in those Purple Monsters. They've taken those characteristics of their coach, and they come out there, and they hit, they attack, and they pursue the football unlike any other that I've seen. The Minnesota Vikings. They've always had... You know, Kyle Rudolph, Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen, pro football before the beginning of the season said that the Minnesota Vikings had the best receiving core in the entire football league, National Football League. And then on the defensive side, <laughs> led by Coach Zimmer, Daniel Hunter, Emerson Griffin, Robeson in the middle. You've got Kendricks out of UCLA. You've got his partner, his UCLA phenom, in uh, Greenway. No, Greenway's gone, my bad. Uh, Yeah, Stephon Greenway, that's right. And then in the secondary, a legit shutdown corner in Xavier Rhodes. Mike Hughes, the number one overall pick from my school here in Central Florida. Trey Waynes. You've got Sandejo at free safety. You've got Harrison Smith. At strong safety, my lord, and 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 <laughs> and you look at that roster, and you just say, man, they're they're loaded, and now they've got Kirk Cousins, now they've got Captain Kirk to lead them. This was the Achilles heel for the Minnesota Vikings not getting to the Super Bowl last year and to host the first ever Super Bowl by a, a team that is, or uh, you know. <laughs> appointed to organize one and that, that, that was their only Achilles heel because they had to rely on Case Keenum now you had Kate you had C- Captain Kirk and Kirk Cousins along with all of those pieces and Dalvin Cook, Cook is back I forgot to name him Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray who's a competent backup and you put the speed the potential the electrifying the you know excitement and the breakaway ability of a Dalvin Cook in that offense and I don't tell you guys, man. 
the Minnesota Vikings are going to be very, very tough to deal with. And Jimmy Garoppolo, last week in week one, already had the dose. I already know what it takes to face that vaunted, and I mean vaunted, Minnesota defense. And now, if that offense with Captain Kirk can catch up with what they're doing right now in that offense, boy, boy, oh boy. We already seen that in that game, what Kirk Cousins can do. He can make the throws that the other three backups last year couldn't. He can make the back shoulder throws. He can make the throws down the seams. He could fit the ball in tight windows. And, and on that touchdown that he threw to Diggs on the long pass down the seam, you know, put maybe, maybe Bradford, Bradford could do that. Terry Bridgewater can't do that. Case Keenum can't do that at the potential that Kirk Cousins can so when I look at the football team of the Minnesota Vikings, I think that, you know, that smells danger and that smells blood for Aaron Rodgers in the NFC North. Mack and Trubisky in the Bears. Um, Matt Patricia and Matt Stafford in the Lions. And then you look at overall as a conference for the, the Rams. You look at the Saints, New Orleans Saints, Cam and, and Matt Ryan down south in Atlanta. And when you think about this Minnesota Vikings offense and defense and how they complement each other, this is just a, a scary thought to think of. So the Minnesota Vikings, to me, were awfully impressive in week one. And I think they're going to be awfully impressive throughout the continual of this season. Because, man, I mean, that roster is loaded, loaded with talent. And now they've got Kirk Cousins and the jury's still on Kirk Cousins, where he can be. Man, the Minnesota Vikings really caught my attention in week one. Then, of course, we go to the surprises, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> we all know the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, frankly, they're not good. You know, Dirk Cutter's in his hot seat. It's in his fourth year um, as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach. Jameis Winston suspended for three weeks, the first three weeks of the NFL season because of off-field and off-behavior issues. He just can't can't stay still and this is a guy in Jameis Winston that's had all these issues since being at Florida State now in Florida State you know he was this known stardom and they loved him down there Heisman Trophy winner national championship and, and they loved him down there that's why they really didn't you know think about it that hard but we thought that once he got picked as an one of our pick those things would change they haven't and perhaps he's been even worse because he's been looked upon as a leader on that Buccaneers team, especially on the offense. And he has been nothing short of a leader. In fact, <laughs> others might say he's been a follower and he's been continuing to be in gang related things and uh, in behavioral issues um, with, with girls, PED, drug scandals. I mean, it's just it's just a, a ongoing thing with Jameis Winston. Yeah. The Buccaneers went into Tampa, to New Orleans in that Superdome. And they looked like they didn't miss a beat. In fact, I can make an argument that Fitzpatrick looked better than Jameis Winston would ever be in that offense. Now, obviously, we know Ryan Fitzpatrick is not the talent that Jameis Winston is. We all know this. But you, if you're watching week one, you probably wouldn't think or see what i'm talking about because he looked awfully impressive take a look at these numbers 
21 to 27, 417 yards, four TDs, and he ran one on the ground. <laughs> they didn't even throw that. He ran one on the ground and no turnovers for Ryan Fitzmagic. And that's what they're calling him down in, in, in uh, Tampa now, Ryan Fitzmagic. He threw the ball awfully impressive. He, he threw it to Mike Evans. He threw it to Mike Evans, who had a big day against that woeful, woeful Saints secondary. And this and this is a Saints defense that we thought that were progressing throughout last year with guys like Marshawn Lattimore and Cameron Jordan and things like that. And yet, you know, at least week one through this beginning of this season, they look like they're, they're turning back to their own, their old habits of being the old Saints secondary and their old Saints defense that can't cover nobody, can't bring pressure on nobody. And just is really atrocious as a secondary as a whole. And Mike Evans ate him alive. Mike Evans, a big target who's not known for his speed. But boy, you wouldn't think that when you've seen him just running by DBs. Like a Marshawn Lattimore. Who, who, who's arguably, you know, looked at and recognized as one of the more ascending cornerbacks in the NFL. Young ascending cornerbacks. And he just got exposed. I mean, like... And it wasn't anything fancy, you know. Mike Evans is a great, great, and I mean a great receiver in the NFL. I mean, obviously the guy is, is nice. I mean, he's got three seasons going right now of a thousand yards. I mean, he's he's productive. He's good. He's a big target. If you need a high point, the ball to the end zone, this is your guy. But when you looked at that game, I mean, just one two move, quick moves, and he was burning Marshawn Lattimore, who got exposed, and. You know, granted, you can't put that on all on Marshawn Lattimore. Um, he's he's still young, relatively young. That defensive coordinator and that defensive scheme down there in New Orleans has to do a better job. That you can't leave him on an island on a big size receiver like that in Mike Evans. You got to double him. Guys like Deshaun Jackson got loose. O.J. Howard. Guys like Marquise Godwin. I mean, the Tampa Bay Buck, uh, Cameron Bray, and even Adam Humphreys for. Um, in the slot I mean guys like that just got loose and and you looked at that Tampa Bay offense he was like my this is really what the Tampa Bay offense is really gonna look and I mean <laughs> Fitzpatrick was unconscious I don't, that may be because the Saints don't have a really good defense but he looked awfully impressive and and you know it, it, it sickens me because I'm torn because Drew Brees who one day will walk himself in the Hall of Fame put up eye-popping numbers as well you talking about Drew Brees, who did throw a pick six, but he threw three scores, and he threw for over 440, 440 yards, and put his team in position to win that game. Of course, Drew Brees doesn't play defense. He only plays offense. He can only orchestrate the offense himself and Alvin Kamara, who's a stud himself as well. And they put themselves in, in position to win at the end of the game. They just, you know, the, the Saints defense couldn't get a stop, stopping the run. Stopping the pass. They couldn't get a pass rush. Cameron Jordan, who's looked upon as one of the premier pass rushers in the NFL, couldn't get a lick of hand on Fitzpatrick. So, if the Saints, who I think are really good, I think the Saints are really good and they're primed to make a really deep postseason run this season. If they want to get back to where they were last year and even go farther, they have got, and I mean they have got to address those defensive woes because... You're playing in a conference. You've got the Rams, the Packers, 
the Philadelphia Eagles. Now you've got the Minnesota Vikings, um, Cam Newton, and not not even take the conference out of it in your division. You've got Cam Newton and, and Matt Ryan. If you can't stop the run and you can't stop the pass, how do you expect to win your own division? If, if the New Orleans Saints so Sean Payton and his staff and I, I know he only orchestrates the offense as a play caller but he's got to address these things to the defensive coordinator because if the Saints want to get back to the promised land and, and have Drew Brees at least be in position to win another ring that defense is it's got to change or else he's gonna pull them back so New Orleans Saints I'm putting you guys on the map and I'm putting you guys in on note and on for the record here You've got to get that defense back where it was last year or else you're not going to see any type of success in the postseason. And folks, thank you guys for listening. And this was Sebi's Podcast. My opening segment, folks, is proud and sponsored by Haifa Hookah Lounge. Haifa Hookah Lounge, the official hookah lounge of Sebi's Podcast. Zeus and the entire gang has already invited the community. Located in downtown Sanford, beer, wine, food, music specials, as well as entertainment. So if you're out there, they invited all of us to be out there. And this is my opening segment here in Sebi's podcast.